The Faustian bargain, selling your soul to the devil for money, fortune, and fame. Is that just something that happens in ancient legends, mythologies, stories, and old horror movies? Or is it really possible to partner with evil, demonic, spiritual entities in order to gain power in this world? We will talk about that on this week's episode of the Faith by Reason podcast. Welcome to the podcast. The website behind it all is faithbyreason.net. Please check it out. And we are on the series, obviously, of spiritual evil. We have been talking about our enemies, our spiritual enemies, the, the devil, fallen angels, and demons for the past few podcasts. And I want to apologize for the delay in this podcast. It's just been, I've had a lot of, a lot of my plate the last couple of weeks, and of course the holidays are, it just happened uh, Thanksgiving, so it's just uh, delayed uh, by a few weeks, my regular podcast. So sorry about that, and I am back. And as I said, we are continuing our series on the fallen spiritual entities, Satan, the devil, and I'm sorry, Satan, the devil, fallen angels, um, and demons. And in the last podcast, we talked about fallen angels, what they are, what their methodology is, and what they want from us, and and how they fit into the entire biblical cosmology, and how they oppose the plan of God. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about demons. And there is, of course, a difference between fallen angels and demons. We talked about that a couple of podcasts ago in that fallen angels are, as the name would imply, God created angelic beings, angelic beings created by God, created initially good, who fell from grace for uh, various reasons, usually some, some aspect of pride or and again wanting to oppose God's plan. They fell. and uh, But again, they were created by God. The demons are something very different. Demons are not fallen angels. They are a different species. We know that from the Bible because they, if you, when you look at what fallen angels and demons do in the Bible and, and what they are and how they behave and how they interact with men, it's very different. Fallen angels have a greater amount of power, a much greater amount of power than demons. They are also in positions of authority. Um, Paul talks about them in uh, Ephesians when he talk, calls them, you know, powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. And again, we talked about that in the last podcast. Demons are different. Demons are far less powerful. They do not have that same level of authority. They don't have the, for lack of a better word, majesty of a fallen angel. They are, in fact, when you encounter them, and hopefully you never will, but when you uh, read about people who've encountered them or listen to the stories of people who've encountered demons and people who are possessed by demons, demons seem infantile. They are sometimes, they are um, very emotional. Um, they are angry and they curse and they spit and they they don't act like mature <laughs> again i'm i'm just uh, using uh, the terminology that i think will fit here they don't ha- they don't they lack the maturity the perspective of a fallen angel they are a lesser being and as i talked about a couple of podcasts ago the reason being is that they again as i said they are not created by god uh, demons these are disembodied spiritual entities and i strongly believe and i think the bible supports the fact that they are the spirits of dead nephilim nephilim as we see in genesis 6 and as we talked about at the end of the of the series on the second dispensation nephilim were the product of the union the sexual union of angels and human females they produced these hybrids these uh, human half human half spiritual um, hybrids called Nephilim. They were 
as Genesis 6 say, the men of the men of old, the men of renown, these mythological characters. And they are the reason that God flooded the world because they had basically um, rendered the, the world in, uninhabitable for man. In fact, Genesis 6 strongly implies that Noah and his family were the only untainted uh, pure humans left in the world. And that's why God destroyed the world with the flood to, to rid the world of the Nephilim. The problem is that the spirits of Nephilim, they have no place in God's plan. They were not part of God's plan. So God did not create a place for them after they died. They, they don't go to Hades, either, even the, the good part of Hades, <clears throat> which, which is called Abraham's bosom or the bad part of Hades or the grave Sheol, where, you know, the spirits of, of dead humans await the the final judgment they have no place in in the afterlife so they wander the earth as disembodied spirits and the and aside from the the um uh, far uh, lower level of power um with uh, as compared to fallen angels the other most pervasive and unique aspect of, of demons is that they desire embodiment these demons these former nephilim used to have bodies they had bodies when they were on earth during the the days of noah and also after that as genesis 6 says they were there was a second there were second incursions after that some people don't believe in the second incursion they believe that there was only one that the nephilim were only around during genesis 6 and some of them uh, survive during uh, survived the flood and um you know and and was and were in the earth after the flood and that's where they that's why you still have um giants because the nephilim were all were, were giants like uh, like Goliath, like Og of Bashan, and the Rephaim and the Zuzuim and, and several others that, that you read about, um, you know, after the the flood narrative in Exodus and in uh, the other books of the law, as the Israelites are are reconquering the land of Canaan, they they find Nephilim there, and many people think that these are just Nephilim that happened to survive the flood. I don't believe that, for a few reasons, and the primary reason being that if the Nephilim, if any Nephilim survived the flood, then God failed. God sent the flood to kill all these Nephilim. And if Nephilim survived, then God failed. And I cannot accept the fact that God could be a failure. So I believe there was a second incursion. I believe that angels came down again and um, did the same thing, probably to, the, to a lesser degree, um, with, because I think God hindered some of it. But, but the bottom line is the Nephilim were there in the past. Then when they die, their spirits have no place to go. So they wander the earth and they seek embodiment. They want to have bodies because unlike fallen angels who can um, who, who can become embodied, who can physically manifest, we talked about that in the last podcast, demons, these fallen spirits, these disembodied spirits, they cannot physically manifest on earth. So they seek either to embody a human being through what we call possession, demonic possession, or at, or at the very least, if they can't fully possess a human being and control the human being, from within, then they seek to at least corrupt the human being in order to do, in order to have their will carried out on the earth. So either they either possess you directly and carry out their will, or they corrupt you uh, in order to get their will carried out. And when I say you, by the way, if you're a Christian, I'm not talking about you because Christians cannot be possessed by demons. Why? Because in order to be possessed by demons, a, a demon, then you, you have to have room in, in your spirit for a demon to possess you. And if you are a Christian, you are already indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. And God, and, and God, the Holy Spirit, is not going to share space with a demon. A demon cannot 
come in and kick the Holy Spirit out. There's there's no way. The Holy, Holy Spirit is, is infinitely more powerful than any demonic entity. So if you're a Christian, you cannot be um, possessed by a demon. So if you ever had any worries about that and you're a Christian, don't. Because you, you can be influenced by demons, just like as you be, be influenced by any uh, form of evil, but you cannot be possessed. That is not something that can happen to a Christian. So we have that in our favor. Nevertheless, possession does happen, and it happens in one of two ways, either directly or indirectly. And what do I mean? What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Directly means, as it would imply, direct possession means that the person who is possessed by a demon invites the demon in. And just let me say, as an aside, even though Christians cannot be possessed, and a regular person, a non-Christian, can't be possessed on their own. I mean, a demon can't come in and forcibly possess you against your will. In order to be possessed by a demon, you either uh, directly um, invite the demon in to possess you or you uh, get the demon, demonic possession indirectly. We'll talk about indirectly in a minute. But the first way to be possessed is directly. And that means you directly invite a demonic presence, knowingly invite this demonic presence in and, ha and, and, and have them take, take you over. And the people who are possessed in this direct manner are, are, are very different than what we can think about when we think about demonic possession. We usually think about, again, movies like, you know, The Exorcist and other movies of demonic possession where the person is acting like, you know, seriously insane. They're flailing about, they're rolling around on the ground, they're making weird noises. That If you saw them on the street, you would not, you would know that there was something really wrong with them. And that's what we usually think about when we think of demonic possession. Even in the Bible, you have, you know, the, the demoniac who was among the, the swine and he was you know, again, acting insane and ripping his clothes and you know, assaulting people and cutting himself. That's what we think about when we normally think of a demonic possession. And that's an indirect possession. Direct possession is very different. In fact, uh, Father Malachi Martin, who is a Catholic priest and an exorcist. In fact, the old movie that I, I mentioned from the 70s called The Exorcist was loosely based on some of his work. And as, as you know, if you've read the blog, I don't have a very high opinion of Catholic authority, but there are exceptions, and Father Malachi Martin is one of the exceptions. He's the late Father Malachi Martin. He passed away some time ago. He's a very fascinating man, an extremely intelligent man. He spoke, like, I think 10 different languages, extremely educated, uh, very you know, very well-heeled, and uh, a genteel person. I, I love reading his stuff, and I, I've loved li listen, listening to interviews uh, from him, by him, rather, very fascinating guy. Anyway, he had a term for someone with, who was directly possessed. He called these people perfectly possessed. And what that means is there was no there was no conflict between the person and the demon. The person invited this demon, this fallen spirit, into them willingly, and that person completely took over them. They were perfectly possessed. And Father Malachi Martin and other people who were in this realm, like Russ Dizdar, who I've, who I've mentioned previously, they estimate that there are millions of people, a small number, relatively speaking, since there are you know, seven, eight billion people on Earth. But there are a few million people, they estimate, that are in this position of being perfectly possessed. Why is that an estimate? Because you can't really tell. There is no outward sign, unlike the person who is indirectly possessed and they are, you know, again, flailing around and spitting and cursing and just and, and acting rather odd. A perfectly possessed person does not act overtly Strangely, not to the degree that, that you would you know know it if you saw them on the street. A perfectly possessed person is just that Nephilim has that, that embodiment that they want and they are just walking around and doing things and, and living their life 
in a way that you really can't tell that that there that there's something wrong with them. They now they are probably depraved people in many sense, but not necessarily. Um, and I believe, frankly, that some of these perfectly possessed people occupy some of the corridors of power in this world, and they get away with it not only because they are powerful politically and financially, but also because, as I said, they they seem to be humans, perhaps depraved humans, perhaps humans with with you know very distasteful taste, but they are humans, and th and that's why it's difficult to tell who is who, but. I think when you look at some of the ways that people who are powerful behave, it gives you a hint as to who might actually be perfectly possessed. I mean, when you look at some of the things that powerful people powerful people do that are frankly inhuman, things that you would normally think, how could a human being with any kind of conscience at all do the do things like like you know genocide and you know, which is always ordered by powerful people. No one who's not powerful can order a genocide to order, order people, you know, just wiped out because of their race or ethnicity. But that happens. People do it and they seem to not have a problem with it. I don't think a human being could do that. I think that's an evidence of, of, of the person who's doing that is demonically possessed perfectly. You know, there are people who are powerful who withhold food. I mean, there's more than enough food in this world to feed every man, woman, and child in the world. There's no need for starvation. Starvation is man-made. There is... I mean, you just think about how much food you've thrown away in the last week. And think about how much food just gets harvested and ends up rotting in barns somewhere because it, it, for whatever reason, there is more than enough food to, to feed people there. But there are powerful people who, with, who actively withhold food from people in order to have them starve to death. That's inhuman. I mean, you think about some of these, uh, I hate to bring this up, but pedophile rings. I don't talk a lot about things like this, even though I do a lot of research into human trafficking and sex trafficking because it, it's something that personally offends me so much that I want to learn as much as I can about it in order to do what I can to fight it. But in doing my research and, and in, fight, in, in fighting uh, human sex trafficking, I have come to learn from people who are, who are deeper in this fight than I am that there are enormous, huge, huge pedophile rings all around the world run by extremely rich and powerful people who take these innocent children and use them sexually. That is inhuman. No human being with a conscious conscience could violate children, not only one child, but but, but just run rings of children. I mean, through the, the, some of these people own islands. They're so rich and powerful. They own you know, islands in the Caribbean and, and elsewhere that are put there solely for the purpose of them shipping children innocent children here and having these other powerful men, men who are uh, uh, leaders of, of, of high power corporations, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies will come to these islands. Politicians, people who you know, I'm not going to name their names because, again, I, I don't have any direct proof. I only have the word of people who are, are in this fight. And you can you can you know do easy research on it if you want. You can you can Google uh, these child sex rings. And the politicians involved. There are politicians who stand before you every two or four years telling you how much they want to help you and how much they are for the rights of women and children and minorities and so forth and so on. And then after they do that, they go to these these pedophile playgrounds and violate children. It is not made up. It is real. It happens. And it makes me sick to my stomach. And these cannot be human beings. I believe that at least some of these people, maybe a lot of them, are demonically possessed, perfectly possessed, 
which is why you don't know that they're doing it when they're standing in front of you making these speeches or running these corporations. And why do I believe that? Frankly, because Satan still runs his world. Yes, Jesus um, got the legal claim to the earth at his death and resurrection when he when he rose from the dead he, he he claimed the legally the world from satan but satan still possesses it because jesus has jesus has not come back to claim the earth which he won't do until um the end of the so-called tribulation period um after armageddon when he, he takes possession of the world and we have the millennium of the uh the, the seventh dispensation but until then satan rules the world so if satan rules the world wouldn't it make sense that the people in power are his minions that these are people who are perfectly possessed uh, there is one of my mentors. I've talked about him many times, Chuck Missler, who who passed away a, a couple months ago. He before he became went into full time ministry. He was an executive. He was a high powered executive in the semiconductor world, and he talked about how he would go into the offices of CEOs of major corporations, and he would see books and magazines on the occult in their offices. These people were dabbling, either either dabbling in satanic um, ritual or. In most likely, all likelihood, they were perfectly possessed by demons, and they were doing the will of their master, Satan. And if you don't believe me, look at the fact that there are six corporations that own all, just about all media, about 90% of the media is owned by six corporations, I believe, and they, they merge all the time, so, it's, so it, it changes around. But as of now, the latest is those corporations are... Uh, Disney, which has ABC, ESPN, ESPN, the Marvel franchises, and a bunch of studios. You have National Amusements, which um, basically bought Viacom, which you know owns CBS and Showtime and Nickelodeon and MTV, owns all those. You have Sony, which obviously owns Sony Pictures and a bunch of others. And then you have um, Comcast, which owns NBC, and obviously their cable network. And um, what's the other one? Oh, yes, you have a uh, Time Warner. And you have uh, Sony. Those six corporations own over 90% of all the media. Almost everything that you see on TV, every movie you watch, all the books you read, all the newspapers you read online and, and in print are owned by only six corporations. That means six CEOs almost basically control everything you see here. Everything you listen to, everything you watch are owned by six corporations. Are you telling me that there's that they don't? Control every what you what you say. Are you telling me that, that that there's freedom of the press out there? No. Aside from you know the, the few people who are on the internet running internet newspapers, all the rest of the media you see is controlled by six people. And I I would not be surprised if all six of the CEOs um, are perfectly possessed because why wouldn't Satan want to have control over that? And for that matter, there are about, about ten corporations that control all the food you buy. You have uh, what Pepsi, Nestle, Coca Cola. Um, uh, and and uh, Kellogg's, General Mills, and a few uh, European uh, corporations, all those 10 corporations own, if you go to Walmart or Target, everything you're buying has, is owned by one of these corporations. A few people, a few elite mystics, and we'll talk about mystics in just a minute, they own everything you watch and see and read. They own almost everything you eat. And if Satan runs the world, of course, he is going to be running those corporations. And I think those people are perfectly possessed. But it's a small number. It's a very small number of people who are in this position of being perfectly possessed because most of us are not going to wantonly invite a demon in to take over our body. The vast majority of people who are possessed by demons or influenced by demons are influenced indirectly. They were doing something that opened the door to 
that demonic influence. And it may they may have kind of known that it was sort of demonic, but they didn't want to be possessed by a demon, but they were just dabbling in it. Or they had no idea that what they were doing was letting a demon influence their lives, but it ended up happening. Why? Because demons don't play fair. <laughs> They're not nice. They don't care if you do it directly or if you do something indirectly and they, and they end up um, possessing you that way. You can't say, hey, Mr. Demon, you can't come inside because, you know, I didn't know I was really doing this. <laughs> they don't care. All they want to do is get possession of you and influence you and corrupt you. And whether it happens knowingly or whether they trick you into doing it, it doesn't matter. And what am I talking about with by indirect means? I mean, people doing things like Ouija boards, for example. Um, you know, if you're doing, if you just see it as a game, and again, it was a, it was a game it was uh, by uh, Parker Brothers, one of the big gaming corporations out there, which again, <laughs> maybe their CEOs probably possessed too. But it was considered just just some little silly game, but it's actually a doorway. It opens a gateway to a demons. Um, worshiping anything like New Age, you know, worshiping these crystals and saying these like weird little prayers, and or sometimes even doing yoga. Not saying that yoga necessarily is demonic. It depends on how seriously you take it and how deep you get into it. But when you are clearing your mind, which is what you're supposed to do in yoga, when you clear your mind and you don't think, you are allowing other things to influence you. Jesus talks about this directly when he was telling his disciples about demons. And he said that when a demon is cast out, it goes through dry places. It gets thirsty. It's, it's, it's longing to, for possession. It's longing to have to be embodied. That's what these demons long for. And it'll return back to its former house, the place it was cast out from, and it will find it swept clean and nothing there. That's a metaphor. When he says it's, the house is swept clean, it means there's no other influence there. In other words, the Holy Spirit hasn't come in. This person is just an empty vessel and the demon comes back and possesses it. So when you empty your mind, be it in yoga or any other one of these metaphysical practices, any other of these weird, you know, new age practices you are opening yourself up to a demon even if you don't think you're doing it even if you think you're just trying to relieve stress or you know just try you're just trying to relax you're just trying to gain spiritual awareness or some nonsense like that you are opening yourself up to demons because there aren't a variety of spiritual things you can do there's only two spiritually speaking you either with god or you're on the side of the demons and if you are not meditating on god if you're just opening your mind and meditating on anything else you're spiritually you are you are inviting a demon in because there is there are no other there are only two spiritual paths you can go down god's or not god's if you're going down a path that is not god's path you're opening yourself up to demonic to the demonic things like witchcraft the so-called white witchcraft where people think that oh we're we're just doing nice things like we're casting we're not casting bad spells we're witches and warlocks and wizards who are casting you know love spells or spells for good fortune and when I go to places like New Orleans, when and I happen to love New Orleans, it's a great place. I just I love the food and things like that. But it's a very, unfortunately, it, it's it's a place that has a lot of demonic influence. There's a lot of different uh, things like you know voodoo and a lot of spiritualism in there. And a lot of them will say, you know, you come into our little place here in New Orleans, and we'll you know give you a blessing that lets you get more money and find the love of your life and improve your career. You're opening yourself up to the demonic because anything that is not of God spiritually is going to be of the devil. It's going to be of these fallen spiritual entities. So these people who think they're practicing witchcraft and even even if they think they're nice witches, there's no such thing. It's, you're either on God's side or you're not. And if you're not, then you are opening yourself up to evil. You know, you look at these some of these things like what's very popular a few years ago, the Harry Potter uh, books and movies. And I'm not one of those Christians who's going to tell you that 
if you go to a Harry Potter pop, a Harry Potter movie or read a Harry Potter book, you're going to be possessed by the devil. No, that's not how it works. I've seen Harry Potter movies. I'm not into it. I haven't read the books. I've seen a couple of movies. They were entertaining, whatever. But it, I didn't, I didn't come out of them possessed by a demon, because that's not how these things work. What they do is they basically take down the walls that you have in your mind against doing it, and they, they make it seem okay. Watching Harry, if you're a kid or you have kids and they watch Harry Potter and they see that he's a hero and he's, you know, fighting evil and say, okay, well, maybe this whole magic thing isn't so bad. Yes, it is. If you take it seriously and you start getting into it, if you just watch a movie and read a book and let it go, then you're okay. But if you start to, to start to try to manifest this in your real life, then there's a problem. As an example, when I was a kid and I'm kind of aging myself when I say this, when I was a kid, there's a very popular um, game called Dungeons and Dragons. It was kind of a role-playing game where you pretended to be, you know, a certain character in this sort of myth, medieval mythological term. You were a knight or a wizard or a shaman or whatever, and you fought against evil dragons and you went out into dungeons and searched for, for tre treasure and you, and you were you pretended to be it. And I would play this game. It was fun. I played it with my friends and my mom would tell me, you know, hey, you got to be careful because I read that Dungeons and Dragons could, you know, lead you to be possessed by a demon. And I was like, mom, please. It's not going to happen to me. And it didn't because I didn't take it that seriously. It was just a game, something I did on the weekends with, with some of my buddies when we would hang out to keep out of trouble. But some of these friends who I hung out with, a couple of them, took this way seriously. Because in this you know make-believe world of Dungeons & Dragons, you would, your character, the character you played, your avatar, would you know pray. if you're Because they had um, a, character, a, a, a class of characters called clerics, which who, could, who had holy quote-unquote holy magic and they could use their holy magic to you know um you know beat up um other people and help them in the dungeons and, and beat the creatures that they were going that they were fighting against and it required them to pray to a quote-unquote god and if you just think that you know you're just playing this character and doing it that's fine but if you take it too seriously and start to believe that some of this stuff is really happening and believing that you can pray to these gods and have them uh give you the power that your character has and if you get that deep into it, well, yeah, that's a problem. Now you're opening the door to possession. And you wake up one day and realize, and, and without realizing it, and that you know this, these entities are controlling your life. And they're starting to corrupt you and influence you and taking you down a road. And I'm sad to say one of the guys who I played Dungeons & Dragons with years ago, um, I lost contact with him after high school. And um, we connected again on Facebook. And this guy has gone off the deep end. He is involved... And, and I, I know it, it was um, uh, the jumping off point was, was playing this game and he took it way seriously and now he's involved in things like um, witchcraft and sacrificing virgins and and uh, doing going into all types of sex rituals he's really into all this stuff and he, his life is very perverse because of it and I, I believe he opened the door to this demonic influence and they took over from there and these demons are again are very lascivious they are disgusting. They do they do it and, and possess people to do horrible, horrible things, and he's involved in it. So you can't open a door and be indirectly possessed and influenced by them that way. And I want to segue into the whole deal with the devil thing, which we I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, by talking about another way that people can be influenced, um, maybe unknowingly, into the demonic world, and that's through a lot of our popular musicians and actors and celebrities. Many of them have, I believe, and some of them have, have directly said so, have, have made deals with these demons. Here's the thing. As I said, Satan is, is, the, 
it's a God, small g, of this world. Meaning that, and, and, he, and if he controls the media and he controls all these fortunes and all, uh, and all of these very powerful corporations, he has the power to reward you materially with certain things if you decide to go his way and do his will. And I believe many of these celebrities, especially in the music industry, because Satan, if, if you recall the uh, few podcasts ago when I talked about him, he was he's into music. That was part of his of who he was when the Bible talks about that, that he was all about music he, and worship. And I think he still has a lot of musical influence. And so a lot of the musicians, quote unquote, many of them can't play an instrument and can't sing, but they're still considered musicians. A lot of them are doing his will and they voluntarily do so and they've entered into agreements with them with 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 satan with these demons for their fortune and their fame and i will give you an example of people who've actually said so one of them by the name of katie perry she you know i've seen you you know Katy perry you've seen her she's a pretty girl not terribly talented she's an okay singer but she is on record as saying she sold her soul to the devil Katy perry started out as a christian gospel singer and she didn't get the fame she want. And she said, these are her words. I will have a link to it in the show notes. She came out and blatantly said, I didn't get what I wanted in the Christian music world. So I sold my soul to the devil. And Katy Perry is a huge star. This is, these are not my words. These are her words. Another one by the name of uh, Rihanna. Another very pretty girl cannot sing worth a damn. Excuse my language. I mean, the girl has no musical ability whatsoever. She cannot carry a tune if it had handles. Yet she is one of the probably top 10 biggest music stars in the world, making millions and millions of dollars, and she has no talent whatsoever. How did she get there? Because you don't, talent, you don't, in, in order to be famous these days, you don't need talent. And again, look at, look at her, look at Katy Perry, look at the Kardashians. It's not about talent. The only thing you need in order to be famous and rich in this world is just to have the backing of the media. And the media is controlled by six corporations, and I believe those six corporations are controlled by people who are possessed and that Satan controls them. So if the corp- if a corporation, de- if these corporations decide that you're going to be rich and famous, guess what? You're going to be rich and famous. You don't need to be. A- there are so many actors and singers and comedians who cannot act, who cannot sing, and who are not funny, who are multi millionaires who are rich beyond imagining and but and you there's no reason they could they that they have all of this that they have this position i mean think about it how many think about the people who you've looked at and you said how is this person famous why did they, how does this person keep ending up in movies they can't act they're not very good and i could name a ton of them and you could too just people who have no talent whatsoever yet somehow they are famous they have no reason to be. I'm not saying all of them have made deals with the devil, but, but some of them are on record as saying that they do. And they can, and they influence others through this. Another singer named Beyonce. I like her, her music. She's actually, unlike the other two people I mentioned, she, she actually is talented. She's a very good singer and very good songwriter. But if you look at some of her, her music videos and her performances, especially in the last few years, you will find them full of of occult symbolism, the all-seeing eye, the the Baphomet, which is that goat-headed god that's you know that has breasts and is and has the shaggy goat feet and is and holding up symbolism in his right and left hand. You'll find that stuff in her videos. You'll find all types of hexagrams and pentagrams and all these um, overtly demonic symbolism in her music. Not just hers, 
a lot of the other ones, Katy Perry, um, in, in a video for a really terrible song called White Horse, you will see the all-seeing eye, a bunch of Egyptian god mythology uh, and, and um, symbolism. And it's becoming more and more rampant. And if you don't know that, that this is evil symbology you're looking at, if you're just a kid you know, who likes their music for whatever reason, you don't get it and you are going to watch it and, and worship these celebrities not knowing that you are opening the door to demonic influence and corruption. And look what these people stand for. They stand for lasciviousness, for sexual immorality, for all kinds of immorality. And they're telling the kids, it's okay to do it. It's okay to be like me and sleep with whatever guy you want or sleep with whatever girl you want or, you know, be violent, do all these different things. And, and, and all of them have a message that is anti-God. And that is what the demons are all about. They're all about opposing the plan and will of God. And if you are not careful, you can be, in, not you if you're a Christian, but our kids and other people who are not saved, hopefully your kids are saved, but kids who are not saved and other people who are not saved, they will be influenced by this. And you are opening the door to this whenever you engage in any type of occult activity, even if you don't think it's occult activity. So again, you have to be careful because that's what demons want. They want to possess us. They want to embody. They want to corrupt. They want to ex get their will carried out. And they don't care how they do it, even if it means corrupting innocent people. And so I'm going to wrap up this podcast by talking about the last group of folks. And by the way, let me just say this before I get to that. Because I talked about making the deal with the devil selling your soul. And you're, you are literally selling your soul to the devil. because, and you, you may, and you can get fabulous wealth. I mean, these people are, again fabulously wealthy they can do they can go anywhere they want in the world they fly on private jets they have huge homes they have all these cars they can get anything they want anytime they want and it seems great except for two things number one they are miserable if you look at these celebrities they are not happy look at people like britney spears i mean she went nuts uh, about 10 years ago shaved off all of her hair and just went completely bat crap crazy you know look at rihanna she gets abused by her boyfriend chris brown and um, and, it, and it doesn't make her any better. She still wants to be with this guy. And she's she's very odd and strange. Acting. Most of these celebrities are really strange people. They act really odd because, first of all, they're, they're worshipped. The human beings were not meant to, to ever be worshipped. You can't. They're, as I, I, I talked about in an earlier podcast, when you receive worship from another human being, you it's a spiritual transaction happening. And, and human beings are not um, prepared to do, are not capable of, of accepting that. And it will corrupt you. And I believe that that demonic influence, in addition to that, the demonic influence that, that they are under just renders them miserable. They are not happy people. They are completely unhappy. I mean, Kanye West, this guy goes crazy every other month. And a lot of these folks are just completely miserable in spite of the fact that they have everything you think they you think will make them happy. Because, you know, what, what is it? What do we all say will make us happy if we had money and fame and all this stuff? But once they get all this stuff, they're not happy because happiness doesn't come from outside stuff. And you combine that with the illicit worship and the demonic possession and influence. They are horribly miserable people. And worst of all, unless they come to Christ and become get saved, they're going to spend their eternity in hell being punished for the undue influence that they had on other human beings. So. Selling your soul to the devil, yeah, it seems great for what you can get on earth, but it's not worth the the loss of your eternal soul and the eternal punishment you're going to get in heaven, the justice that's about, excuse me, in hell, the justice that's going to be meted out on you 
for all the harm you've done to other human beings. So selling your soul is never worth it. All right, so let's um, end this by talking about the mystics and how they partner with demonic entities. We've talked about the mystics several podcasts ago. They are the spiritual descendants of Semiramis. We talked about this during the third dispensation series where Semiramis um, started false religion. And when when God cursed Babel and spread and uh, spread people out and confused their languages, the mystics came in, the, the descendants of, of, of Semiramis came in and they pretended to be the conduits of the gods and they ruled over the people by saying that you know we have we have access to the to the to the true gods and if you want the blessings of the gods and you have to give your money your soul your possessions to us and, and and consider us your authority and they are con men because they you know claim to be again a conduit to god and they're not but that's only part of it they're not they're not just con men in the in the physical sense they they are also con men of the spirit their claim to have a connection to the to the spiritual is not just it's not necessarily a false claim. In many cases, it's a real claim, because a lot of these mystics work with the demonic entities in order to again to oppose the will of God. Because I mean, if I came to you and I said, "Hey, you know what? I have this direct conduit to Baal, the god of fire, and if you don't give me your tribute and your harvest, then you know I'll I'll, I'll rain down fire upon you." Well, that would only work for so long until someone said, hey, you know what, if you if you really are a, a, um, a representative of Baal, prove it by sending that fire. And if, you, and if I couldn't do that, well, eventually I'd, I'd get run out of town and lynched. But the thing is that these mystics actually did partner and do partner with these demonic entities and these fallen angels in order to you know, really convince people validly that they do have these connections. An example of it is the the story of the Exodus, which we were we have been covering uh, during this this dispensation, the fourth dispensation, when when God visited the ten plagues onto onto the Egyptians that eventually um, caused Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. If you notice, when you read the story, the first um, few plagues were able to be replicated by the mystics in Pharaoh's court. In fact, Paul calls him; uh, he names him uh, Janus and Jambres. They're, they're not named in Exodus, but Paul, you know, who, who obviously knew the um, Israelite history, talked about how they were able to perform the same supernatural tricks. They were able to, not they were tricks, they were the same supernatural acts. They were able to turn water to blood like uh, God did with the Nile. They were able to bring frogs out. They were able to bring the flies out. They were able to duplicate those first few. And they didn't do it. It wasn't a part of a trick. They were literally able to use supernatural power to duplicate um, the, the first few plagues. They didn't have that of themselves. They weren't superpowered human beings. They had the demonic influence. This brings us all the way back to what started this particular series, and that was that those ten plagues were specifically meant. They were they specifically targeted the gods, the quote unquote gods of Egypt, to show the Egyptians that the God of the Bible, the true God, the one who's always a completely right and just, the true creator of the universe, is superior to all of their so-called gods. And all of their so-called gods were actually fallen angels and demonic entities. And the purpose of the plagues were to show that they, that God, our God, has more power than them. But they do have power. And Janus and Jambres, these two mystics at Pharaoh's court, proved it by duplicating the first few plagues. But of course, after the, plagues of, the plague of life, they could no longer do it showing that, again, that God was superior, but they did have supernatural 
um, powers that were given to them by these entities. And that is why these mystics have been able to keep their rule over people for so long. And I believe that the people who are running the media and who are running these food corporations, I, they are mystics as well. And they are in league with these demonic entities. And behind closed doors, they do those same rituals and they get demonic power and influence over human beings and allows them to rule. And that's why all of these major corporations have one thing in common. They all oppose the will of God. There are no, none of these major corporations are doing anything to promote God's will and God's law and God's word um, on, on the people who, who are, are, are the consumers of their products. They do the opposite. They promote homosexuality. They pro promote transgender. Every major corporation is all about homosexuality, transgender, um, abortion, all these different things that are directly in, in opposition to God's will. These All these corporations are for. There are no corporations that are for chastity. You will not find any major corporation that says, hey, you know, don't, don't have sex before marriage. You won't find any of them <laughs> saying, Anything like, you know, read your Bible, obey the Ten Commandments, honor your mother and father, don't lie, don't steal, don't do you, They won't promote anything that is godly. They promote everything that is not godly. And that is not an accident. It is because they are in league with these demonic entities. They've gotten their position and their power due to these demonic entities and the fallen angels and Satan. And they will pay for it in the afterlife. But for now, they got a, a tremendous amount of power and influence because of it. As Edward Bernays said regarding the propaganda that really uh, influences our lives, he says, um, we are governed, our minds are molded, our tastes formed, our ideas suggested, largely by men we have never heard of. This is the logical result of the way in which our democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this matter if they are to live together as a smoothly functioning society. What he's basically saying is that there are people behind the scenes who control everything from our taste in clothes and music in pop culture and, and everything, they decide what they what it is. They influence the media to put it out there, and we follow it follow along because that's what we've been trained to do. But these men who are doing all this governing and influencing, I believe they are satanic. They are mystics, and they rule the world at least until Christ comes back. But our aim, our goal, our endeavor should be to resist to be unique. We talked about this in the in the uh, series about human government. Satan wants us all to be alike. He wants us, wants us all to be the same, but we are individuals. God wants us to be individuals, to be unique. That's who we are. We are. That's how he made us, and that's what we need to be. And again, because Satan opposes God, he opposes that, and his fallen angels and demonic minions all oppose it as well. And if you choose to be influenced by them and corrupted by them, unfortunately, you are going to share their fate. All the influence and money in the world is not worth it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? As a wise God man once said, that God man being Jesus. All right. So um, that wraps that up. And in fact, in the next podcast, we're going to wrap up this entire series by asking a couple of, of, of very important questions. And again, this is basically the end of the the uh, podcast. We're going to deal with the dark side with the 
angels and demons I'm mean, sorry with fallen angels and demons directly because I'm just kind of tired of talking about them I don't like talking about it it's a very dark topic covering very dark subjects but in the next podcast I want to add, ask a couple of questions that will kind of bring us back to to the light side and before we go on to the next dispensation question number one is why does God allow this to happen I mean God is is all powerful he is good so why does he allow these these demons and fallen angels and Satan to do this it's a it's a good question and there's a good answer for it and lastly we're gonna now that we're done with the fallen angels we're, I want to spend the second half of the next podcast talking about the good angels the holy angels what are they like and what are they not like what is the mythology behind real angels what's real what's not real and um, how do we interact with angels and how don't we interact with angels just, just as important if you notice in the Bible God says very little about angels he only names a couple of them I think Michael and Gabriel are the only two angels that are named in the Bible yet we know that there are millions billions of good angels out there God doesn't tell us much about them and, and there's a very good reason why he doesn't it has to do with our nature but we're going to talk about um, God's reason for letting these um, fallen entities have their their uh, reign for now why he doesn't do anything about it and we're also going to talk about the characteristics and qualities of the good holy angels and that will wrap up this series on spiritual entities and then we'll move on to the the fifth dispensation all right thank you for listening i appreciate it please leave me any comments and questions you have um, follow me on uh, facebook and twitter and i will talk to you hopefully next week <laughs>